This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. This BFM Budget 2023 special is brought to you by Ma Singh. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on the Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. It's been an eventful past few days. We saw Budget 2023 being tabled on Friday evening, and then on Monday afternoon at 3 p.m., the announcement from the Prime Minister that Parliament was dissolved effective Monday, the 10th of October 2022. So we'll have to wait until after GE15 to see a new tabling of the budget. We've seen this happen before back in 1999, but nonetheless, we still want to dissect what was brought up in Budget 2023 and discuss if conservation of the environment. was prioritized in a meaningful way and joining me to do that is Thing Siu Xuan. She is a senior program manager at Greenpeace Southeast Asia and of course, you know, now with elections just around the corner, we also want to discuss with Siu Xuan what Greenpeace would like parties to prioritize with regard to the environment in their manifestos. Welcome Siu Xuan, how are you today? Hi, thanks Juliet for inviting me for this interview. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. So yes, you know, we had made all these plans way before uh, Monday's announcement, isn't it, Sushren? <laughs> and then of course the the announcement that parliament was going to be dissolved. But let's still talk about the budget because you know, I mean, if we look at um history, uh, 1999 the same thing happened, you know, budget was tabled in parliament and then you know, shortly after that parliament was dissolved, but so almost a similar uh, budget was uh retabled, you know, following those general election. So let's let's kind of see, you know, maybe it might happen again this time around. Um looking at uh, budget 2023 that was tabled on Friday, um what aspects that cover sustainable development or the environment um did you think was uh, important or that you liked and supported? Mm, I think out of the more than 100 pages of the budget, uh the one of the things that I like about uh this budget is the finance minister or the government they recognize that we cannot continue our business as usual in one of the paragraph there mm-hmm. and i think this is a spirit that has to be adopted by all sectors uh, including private sectors or public sectors and we must bear in mind that we cannot we really really cannot continue our life as business as usual but how how does the budget reflect <laughs> reflect this i think we can discuss further Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So, so I mean, not too bad, uh, but of course, uh, room for improvement, right? Um, there was things like the commitment towards becoming carbon neutral by 2050, survival of biodiversity, sustainable communities, all of that. You know, just looking at it, right? Do you think that, like, from what I could gather, a lot of things about the environment was mentioned in a rather fragmented way? Uh, you know, what could have been done better in terms of like making it more holistic or making it more comprehensive? I mean, what sort of areas really need to be focused on? Okay um I I divided the budget in terms of environment I divided the budget into seven parts uh please allow me to go through with you one by one Sure Okay the first one is uh food security So um food security has been highlighted during the pandemic and of course after the post uh during the post pandemic this year So more and more people are aware that Malaysia is a net food importer So uh we import about 90% of the Uh, required beef and we also highly dependent on imports of other major food items as well for example the corn for the livestock industry so what are the policies to increase the food sufficiency rate in the variation of climate change i don't see in the budget and also organic farming is beneficial and sustainable for environment and also our health we know that organic farming methods takes time compared with um, commercial farming that use chemical fertilizers and pesticides 
uh, is not always uh, so organic farming is not always. I mean, the organic organic product is not always affordable for the majority. But I don't see how this budget can reduce the production cost for organic farmers, so that organic produce can be competitive, mm-hmm. not just for the privileged groups. Okay, all right, and so that was under food security. Uh, there were six more, as uh, as you mentioned, right? Uh, that you wanted yeah, to yeah. cover. Okay, the second one is climate resilience and flood mitigation. So we can see that from the budget. Uh, previously in the news report, we read about uh, the former the former environment and water minister said that Malaysia may, may need up to three hundred billion for long term measures in flood mitigation until the year two thousand one hundred. So yes. it's going to be a fifty to seventy years. Uh, plan for the flood mitigation. The budget 2023 shows us a planning until 2030 with a total allocation of 15 billion. The projects include suburb dams in 46 locations, a dual purpose reservoir, an integrated river basins, and upgrade of the weather forecast system. So, flood mitigation is considered as part of the climate change adaptation. How about climate change mitigation? We didn't see that. We only talk about how to solve the problem downstream. So all these projects are only part of the solutions. If the government pretends not to look at the root cause of the floods, for example, deforestation caused by licensed loggings on the converted forest land, you will need more projects to treat the floods in the future, or you need more money to manage the disasters. Correct. So we hope that whoever in the power, whoever is in power after the election, they can make public the details of these projects. Where are the uh, 46 suborders will be and what is their project timeline and what is the lifespan of this of, of this dam? If you continue to allow the deforestation, do you mean that you need more suborders to be built? Can you explain what, what exactly is planned there or what's happening there? Actually, suborder is built to prevent sediment to run to the downstream. Mm-hmm. You can see uh, during the floods in Baling Kada recently, the sediment caused the water destruction in Penang. So this is something that uh, the government uh, has to tackle, I think. Okay, all right. Okay, and then uh, moving along, what were some of the other points that you think uh, really need to be addressed? Okay, uh, number three is ESG. So uh, in this budget, we can see uh, ESG is being mentioned in several parts. Mm-hmm. So ESG started to emerge last uh, last decades and evolved into a framework that includes key elements around environmental and social impacts, as well as how governance structures can be invented to maximise stakeholder well-being. So actually, uh, ESG requires the businesses or the businessmen to run their business in an ethical and responsible way. So we understand that um, uh, the government is trying to ask GLC or GLIC to be the driver of ESG to encourage more companies to make compliance with ESG principles as a condition of investment decision and the production of their products. However, in practice, business communities are facing some backlash. There are issues of uh, reliability, credibility and compliance. So executives may not always be truthful about ESG efforts. Some, they overstated their sustainability efforts. Um, so I will see that uh, ESG can be a push factor for businesses to review their values if they have not started doing anything. Maybe they can learn something from the tools, but uh, they can do better with the good envi- environment of the country uh, itself. Like. For example, uh, taking G as an example, um, G as governance, um, a company can design any internal procurement process to prevent power abuse or corruption within the company itself. 
But when they need to deal with the uh, government, can the government ensure that all these companies can comply with the requirements by just following proper SOP or requirements? If you simply ask any businessman in Malaysia who did not pay bribes to the government department in Malaysia, I think I think that you will know the answer. Why some ESG strategies are just window dressing. So greenwashing, um, as we call it, yeah. Yeah, if it, if it is not um. If it's not implemented properly, uh, all these good tools can become a greenwashing tools. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And number four is carbon reduction. Mm-hmm. Um, it falls under the focus of carbon neutral fifth, uh, 2050. So um, actually, stem as uh, budget 2022, EV, uh, electric vehicle, is being emphasized in this budget again. Yeah. So in fact, those who can afford an EV actually are the top 20. They, they can actually afford without or with tax incentive. So I will see this incentive as asking the richer and powerful people to be more responsible for the environment. Mm-hmm. However, in malicious context, context um, if we equal EV to reduce carbon emission, and this is a misperception. As we know, Malaysia is heavily relying on core energy supply. Yeah. Core energy is not clean energy unless you can turn your EV charging stations into solar power stations, uh, solar power charging stations or hybrid then only you can say that oh, EV reduce carbon emission. Um, and also, um, at the moment, large volumes of EV batteries are not ready for recycling yet. So mm-hmm. we have to look into EV batteries uh, waste disposal in the future. Okay. On the positive side, EV on the road may reduce uh, air pollution. So this is related to air pollution control regulations. So recently in a written reply, the government said they have decided to shelf the tabling of Transpoundering Haze Pollution Act. Since we cannot have the Transpoundering Haze Pollution Act like Singapore, then how about a clean air act like Thailand? Can we learn it from our neighbouring countries? Mm-hmm. So on carbon tax and carbon pricing mechanism, these are instruments that capture the external cost of the greenhouse gas uh, emission. So carbon tax or, uh, in the carbon market actually is great in theory. It will reduce carbon emission, but in practice, carbon prices have been far too low to motivate changes. So it is the government needs to set a cap and then regulators have to set the price and enforce penalties. However, in many places, cheating and leaking have become an issue. Enforcement and punishment is lacking. So we must also bear in mind that there must be proper carbon monitoring and control system to curb pollution in the first place, so that carbon tax will not be taken as a right to pollute and becoming another greenwashing exercise. So there must be stakeholder consultations on the support, ma- uh, support measures, transition framework, and the framework for the use of carbon credits. Um, Sushan, you've been talking about carbon neutral, you've been talking about uh, net zero and things like that. You know, For folks who might not be too familiar with these terms or what it actually means, can you help explain very briefly uh, what the difference is between the two of them? So uh, basically, net zero means uh, the removal of all GHG, all greenhouse gases. Mm-hmm. And carbon neutral means to remove the equivalent amount of G- uh, CO2 to what's emitted through activities across their supply chains. Right. It means we have to invest in carbon sinks like forests, or this, etc. Mm-hmm. So okay. um, many companies um, start with uh, cutting down their CO2 mm-hmm. emission as much as possible first up. Uh, for yeah. investing in highly highly visible offset programs, being an individual, if we can make more sustainable life cho- uh, lifestyle choices, we can help to reduce our carbon footprints and limit our overall environmental impacts. 
again, the finance minister mentioned this this sentence. We cannot continue with business as usual. Um as I said in the beginning. Mm. But in reality, for me, the whole budget is still business as usual. We are still in the state of business as usual. Carbon neutral 2040 is being put under the strategy for sustainable development. Under this sustainable development, public transport and construction sectors are not included. Okay, for example, when I'm enjoying the convenience of public transport in Klang Valley, my friends and family in Johor Bahru and Penang do not have a choice. So when the government told us that they are subsidizing uh, public transportation, they noticed that some buses are empty forever. They are surrounded by the vehicles in the traffic jam. So if we want to achieve carbon neutral 2050, we must make private vehicles a choice, not a necessity. So some people will argue that this will affect the jobs under the national car policy. Yeah. A good public transportation, uh, a good public transportation system will create new jobs too. It's not a zero sum game. And policymakers must be bold enough to make changes. So in terms of construction, both energy efficiency and renewable energy are important for carbon neutral. In this budget, I didn't see anything uh, about solar financing or renewable energy. Mm. Okay, we should in incentivize solar. For example, we should incentivize solar installation, making the startups more conducive for more buildings or uh, for more building owners or premise owners. So in Malaysia, subsidies for fossil fuel and lack of government financing for solar uh, renewable energy make it make it um so expensive for people to invest in, in renewable energy. And as because of petrol is still the cheapest. So actually this is preventing energy transition. Okay. All right. Let's just go for a quick break, uh, Sushen. When we come back, let's go through some of those other points that you'd like to highlight. I'm speaking today to Ting Sushen. She is a, she is a senior program manager at Greenpeace Southeast Asia. We are going through well what was mentioned and what I suppose was not mentioned uh, in Budget 2023, which of course you know was tabled on Friday, but now uh, that's is not going to be debated since Parliament has been dissolved uh, effective of uh, 10th of October Monday. So we're just still going through to see you know what worked and what didn't work, and hopefully you know these things can be taken into account in the next tabling of the budget. We'll have more after this quick break. You're listening to Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Stay tuned to BFM's Budget 2023 special, brought to you by Marsing. This BFM Budget 2023 special is brought to you by Marsing. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. On the line with me today is Ting Su Xuan. She is a Senior Program Manager at Greenpeace Southeast Asia. We are dissecting, you know, what was tabled last Friday for Budget 2023. As we all know, that is now uh, not actually going to be debated in Parliament, that particular document. Uh, that was uh, tabled and then, you know, Parliament dissolved. But um, but, but looking at history and looking at precedents before uh, GE, uh, back in 1999, the same thing happened. So perhaps, you know, a, a similar budget will be tabled as it happened in 1999. We're still discussing it and trying to see what, you know, what was lacking in this budget that was tabled, which perhaps could be tabled in the next one. So uh, Sushan is helping me to dissect it. And she's also sort of like helping to see what are the kind of gaps uh, that were uh, not addressed in this particular budget. So before the break, Sushan, you know, you sort of broke down 
uh, four of the major points that you were talking about. Firstly, there was food security. Then uh, we tackled climate resilience and flood mitigation. Uh, you also took into account uh, ESG, you know, which is a huge thing now, and also the whole point of going uh, of carbon neutrality and what that actually means. Now you've got three others, and I think one of them is waste. Can you elaborate on you know what we need to address when it comes to waste and waste management? Okay, um, thank you, Julia. Um, okay, in this budget, I saw an incentive provided for parties who make donations or sponsorship of smart AI-driven reverse vending machine equipment. For uh, I mean, these people are eligible for income tax deduction. Mm-hmm. So compared to budget 2022, circular economy was mentioned last year. But in this budget, I'm disappointed with nothing mentioned about circular economy. Uh, as if waste management is not a big issue in Malaysia. So I calculated waste has been mentioned seven times. It has nothing to do with the overall performance or overall improvement of the waste management uh, system. Malaysia has serious waste management issues from the capital city like Kuala Lumpur to the remote or coastal area in Sabah. So what is the what is the planning and or achievement of the circular economy? When we eat outside, even in the capital city like KL, the businesses are still providing single-use plastic straw, even though uh, DPKL has already announced uh, going for uh, going for single-use plastic free in 2019. So uh, even when we tell them no straw, they will still serve our drinks with single-use plastic straw. So in many remote areas where the garbage trucks are unable to reach, people are burning plastic waste together with other waste together every day. And we are still in the state of business as usual in terms of a linear economy, if you notice. So how is the government going to address the construction waste, food waste, plastic waste, scheduled waste? There is no proper collection system for recyclables in every place. Mm. In, in KL itself, some of my environmentally conscious friends have to take a grab to send their recyclables to collection centres or collection points somewhere far be- far from their house yeah. to make sure their trash are being put in the right place. So the government told us that they have spent $1.9 billion for solid waste collection and public cleansing. And we also know that waste to energy is in the pipeline. But we should not think that we should uh we should not think that we can leave all this problem to WTE itself. So it is costly and it will pose potential risks to our air quality. So we, we must have an integrated waste management system before we talk about all these expensive uh, facilities. We are also aware that uh, uh, there are 133 landfills in operation all over Malaysia, include 21 sanitary landfills. So then what about other non-sanitary landfills? Do you mean that the leaches are going into our underground water every day and then you are doing nothing about it? Apart from the AI vending machine that they, are, they mentioned in the budget, we would also like to urge the government or the new government or whoever come into power to provide tax incentive to food waste management facility, use cooking oil conversion facility, zero waste shop, secondhand shop and business premises that are providing drive-through facility, uh, drive-through recycling facility or online delivery plastic packaging collection in the integrated waste management plan. And any efforts to reduce waste to landfill should be encouraged. Of course, including 3R practices starting at home. Yeah. I mean, um, we have heard the government um, talk about 3Rs 
since I was a high school student. <laughs> but what happened to our society now? I still cannot find a place to put my recyclables in, in my apartment. So something must be done. If we care enough our waste management issues, if you really, really do your waste separation at home, not by your mother, not by your wife, not by your kaka, I mean, if you really do it yourself at home, and I'm sure that you will understand the difficulties of grass collection and recycling in Malaysia. So many people I know, they tried, but they failed in grass collection and recycling because it is not economical viable. Mm. So for this type of uh, recycling activities, it should be supported and facilitated or funded by the government. Okay. All right. Um, and just moving along, uh, Sushan, there's also other topics that you thought were not quite mentioned, and that's uh, government procurement. Am I correct? Uh, yeah. So when it comes to my six, uh, six talking points, it's about government green procurement. Mm -hmm. Okay. Implementation of uh, GGB, I call it GGB. The, the implementation of GGB started in 2016, actually. So it was identified as an enabler. We will be able to transform the national environment through innovation while supporting the local economy. So because the government is the biggest, uh, biggest buyer of the products and services in any nation, and um, it contributes a lot to the, to the national's GDP. So in other words, the government can create demand in the market. So this influence can be exercised directly through the procurement in government-owned projects and indirectly through policies to govern other sectors' procurement practices. The question is, is our market and governmental department expenditure ready for that? So in reality, green procurement implementation in Malaysia is not yet prioritized yet, and the adoption has not reached the desired level. So a lot of government departments have actually encountered difficulties to implement green procurement practices printing papers as an example. When I was working in Penang, a lot of green product suppliers are actually based in KL. If you ask the other state governments to purchase, uh, for example, FSC certified or recycled paper purchase, this can increase their office budget significantly. So on the awareness side, it will be interesting to ask the members of parliament whether the document they receive every day in the parliament are printed on FSC paper or papers from sustainable sources. If our own regulators have no demand or no knowledge or no awareness about this, how do we make sure the government officials at every level adopt the policies? Correct, yeah. Okay, so uh, I would say that financial support from the government through subsidising green procurement is an important factor. And also the awareness, um, the products must be ready. I will see that there is a lack of readiness yet in terms of green procurement. We also welcome the installation of solar panels at government and commercial facilities by 2024 with a cumulative PV capacity of 3 megawatts and provide 500 units of EV charging stations nationwide. So we hope that uh, the government, we hope to see a clearer timeline and planning and also KPIs uh, achievement for such installation as there are many plans that have been announced, but we do not know what's the outcome of the implementation. So to conclude, um, there is a need to re redefine the public sector strategic approach, stakeholders' involvement, the policy established, and the process involved must be in place in enhancing transformation of the common procurement system in the long run. Okay. 
All right. So, yeah, that's a huge thing. You know, I never actually think about that. But yeah, government procurement, there's so much that they can be, I guess, done uh, leading by example, isn't it? I mean, what the yeah, government yeah. does then, you know, businesses and, and you know, and then it, the trickle down effect. Yeah, yeah. It's the biggest buyers in, in the economy. Correct. Yeah. So actually, the government can, can generate something in the economy. They can transform something in the market. Mm, okay. All right. Okay. And and just moving on, uh, Sujan, there's also, I guess, one of our, my, our favourite uh, topics of discussion on this show, forests and biodiversity, right? What more can be done in those areas? Okay. In this budget, I saw I saw the government mention about palm oil, about survival of biodiversity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it is a good move for me. I think it is a good move to encourage the sustainability of palm oil industry, including the recycling of palm oil waste material. Also, the sustainability of palm oil plantation land. So you can see many palm oil plantations were turned into housing estates after 20 to 30 years. Okay. okay. Uh, the plantation owners had to find new pieces of land. And most of the time, forest land are being identified to plant new palm oil. So why is this happening? We hope that the government can put a stop on, on converting forest land into palm oil plantation. First of all, and we recognize that palm oil is a bread and butter of our country. We are not rejecting palm oil, but we want to hold dirty palm oil accountable, which means we should not allow palm oil plantations on peatlands, forest reserves, or we should not allow palm oil to replace our food crops. Hmm. So it, it worries me when the finance ministry say the government will also intensify its efforts to promote and counter anti-palm oil campaigns at a global level. So are they going to produce a series of window dressing publicity materials to deny what they have done to our forests and cover up the scandals of dirty palm oil? So I think we can have a public dialogue on this debate. Okay. All right. Um, and what about, you know, things like the allocation for tigers and things like that? Did you want oh, to... Okay, yeah, I have to continue. Yeah. Okay. okay uh, and also, uh, it's a mis mismanagement of ecosystem initially uh, uh, um, because when we see tigers and Elephants are running around in the human residential yeah. area. Yeah, something is going. Something is wrong somewhere. Yeah. yeah. First of all, uh, I'm gonna talk about tree planting. How much trees they have planted uh, through the tree planting programs. So we actually hope to see the timeline and outcome of the restoration projects within a period of time. So, uh, based on our experience in working with our allies, the information about restoration project is not accessible in some of the states. So it is not published directly in the website where we can simply get it from the website of government departments. So I think transparency and public communication can be improved in, in terms of uh, reporting. And also um, every year we saw a location, okay, there will be a location for natural habitat conservation and preservation, but we are wondering what happened to the protected species. And the number of Malayan tigers have been decreasing from 3,000 in 1950 to fewer than 150 individuals in 2022. So they are at the risk of extinction. So what happened to our allocation? So, and then what is the planning of the government to restore their habitat? So we need an explanation on why the dishwashing method of deforestation in Guamusang is happening. And what happened to the monkeys and elephants that invaded uh, human habitat, as we always see in news? Where is their animal corridor, so-called a place enough for them to to survive. Correct. So as a human I mean as human being, we we have already taken a lot from nature. Can we leave some space for the animals? 
So I would like to end <laughs> to end the, the seven points uh, with this one. Okay. All right. I mean, that was that's wonderful, uh, Sushen. So there was, again, let's just go through that. There was food security. There was, of course, uh, ESG. Uh, there was carbon neutrality, climate resilience or flood mit- mitigation. And then we spoke about waste. We also spoke about, you know, the importance of government procurement of environmentally, uh, you know, sensitive um, uh, products and, and services. And also the importance of protecting and keeping our forests intact. And also, you know, at the same time, preserving biodiversity. Yeah, those were the seven, you know, things that we really, really need to focus on. Hopefully, they will be focused on uh, in the next tabling of the budget, you know, after the, after GE15. Now, Sushan, you know, with with elections coming up, I just thought we could spend a few minutes to discuss, um, you know, what you as someone working in the environmental and conservation field would like parties to prioritise in their manifestos when it comes to, uh, you know, the environment and conservation and, you know, the climate, uh, climate crisis and all of that. Uh, what are some of the things that you'd like to see? Um, okay, uh, in the upcoming general election, we hope that the political parties uh, will include uh, the following demands into their election manifesto. Number one is Transpoundering Haze Pollution Act or Clean Air Act. So um, we need to align the national air quality with international standards and the recommended 2021 uh, WHO guidelines. And at the same time, we hope to hold the polluters accountable. So... Uh, uh, as you may know that uh, in 2018, when the new government came in, they actually enacted or they drafted the Transboundary Haze Pollution Act. But it was uh, uh, it has to be shared by the government in 2020. Yes. Until today, uh, they still they still refuse to table it again, and they they promote. Um, they said we can continue to use diplomacy to deal with the Transboundary Haze. But the diplomacy method uh, has been used for many decades, uh, in the past decades, and uh, it has very little success. Um, so why we can only use diplomacy, why we cannot use uh, uh, use legislative tools if it is possible? Okay. Um, the Transboundary Haze Act that the Malaysia government can do is to improve what Singapore has done and improve the, uh, diplomatic shortcomings. Malaysia is not going along uh, the same line with what Singapore did, but we we want to take care of our own plantation interests in Indonesia, uh, more towards Malaysian companies. So we won't step into each other. I mean, we won't we won't step into another tool uh, because okay, in in the first place, they are they are worried that we might intervene the internal affairs of the other countries. Mm. But what we are trying to emphasize is we won't step into another tool, but we are using the instrument prepared by the Asian to promote this and to hold our own Malaysian companies accountable. So this is an acceptable move in terms of diplomatic engagement. That's why we need a domestic version of the Transboundary Haze Act in Malaysia to address haze pollution in the region. And the second thing we want, uh, we want them to pay attention to is Climate Change Act. As you can see in our budget 2023, EV and carbon reduction has been mentioned in different parts of the budget. Mm. And construction, constructions and public transportation is not being mentioned in carbon neutral 20, 2050. This is because our environmental governance has been divided into different ministries, which resulted in a fragmented climate agenda. So although we have Climate Change Division and we have Malaysia Green Technology and Climate Change Centre, but they are performing climate change-related functions without a Climate Change Act. 
Okay. So we need a legal framework for a minister to be responsible for both green and brown issues, as well as climate change issues such as forest, water, agriculture, coastal erosion, carbon tax, renewable energy, etc., etc. So uh, we hope that they can consider a climate change act. And third is we hope that they can revise the or come up with a new version of Environmental Quality Act 1974. So, uh, although recently they already uh, passed the new act, uh, new enactment in the parliament on the penalty side, but we hope that they, they were not just revising the penalty, they will also revise the air pollution standards, um, EIA requirements, and, and also scheduled waste-related re regulations. So, um, all these are the three requirements that we hope the political parties uh, can consider to put in India. Election manifesto. Mm -hmm. Okay, but as a voters, uh, we hope that our voters can pay attention to the candidates. Do they care about environment? And we can actually demand. We can actually demand them to talk about environment. We can actually demand what we want uh, in terms of uh, sustainable development, in terms of flood mitigations. If in I mean in twenty twenty two, when climate change is already happening in Malaysia, if our candidates still do not know anything about climate change. I think we should not. We should not vote them in anymore. So all these voters can make a change um, in terms of environment. And if we really, really hope for a better future or better environment, we should demand or we should, I think we should pay attention to our, to our candidates and make them the politicians that we want and vote for the change we want to see. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Su Xuan, for joining me today. Um, I've been speaking to Ding Su Xuan, Senior Program Manager at Greenpeace Southeast Asia. She dissected Budget 2023 in terms of what was mentioned for conservation of the environment and sustainability and, you know, whether or not it was prioritised in a sustainable, meaningful way. Not quite. Um, and she listed, you know, seven different topics that could be focused on. She was also sharing her manifesto wish list, I suppose, yeah, uh, in terms of what's going to happen ahead of GE15. If you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always download the podcast at bfm.my slash earth or you can find it on the BFM app and if you'd like to find out more about Greenpeace just head to greenpeace.org follow them on social media and keep updated and uh, yeah and find out about more about the work that they do this has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture BFM 89.9 This BFM Budget 2023 special was brought to you by Marseille Reinvent Spaces Enhance Life you have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.